Hey team, welcome to the Changemaker Career Series. In this series of podcasts, I interview interesting people who are leading impactful lives and ask them about how they did it. This podcast is for self-motivated people who care about social impact. I'm Chris Danilo, and I'm your host. I spent my career focused on the intersection between brain development, education, and technology. I've run a neuroscience lab, I've consulted with education technology companies, and for the last three years, I've been touring the country producing massive Lego and Minecraft events for kids. In this episode, we talk with Chris Owen, who quit his comfortable finance job to start a coffee company that honors farmers and facilitates deep connections. In this interview, we talk about what it actually takes to start a company from scratch, the truth behind big picture visions, and some overlooked tactics that anyone can use to improve. Let's do this. All right, recording. I've got uh, Chris Owen, cool dude that I um, met, one of the first people that I met that was doing something cool and interesting here in Denver. Um, who has a really cool story that I can't wait to unpack a little bit. Um, but I'm going to not do the full intro because I would love you to talk a little bit about what you're doing in yourself for like, I don't know, 30, 60 seconds, something, um, you know, talking a little bit about what you're doing and what people should know about you. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, my name is Chris Owen. I am a connector of people. I do that through my medium, which is coffee. And so... I believe that coffee is a really wonderful medium to have great conversation, bring people together. So that is how I stumbled across this fun, this fun journey that I'm on. And then now, you know, I own Madre Coffee Collective, which was created to honor my Hispanic heritage, my mother, that feeling you get at your mom's kitchen table where everybody's welcome and everyone has a seat at the table. That's why we created the company and we travel the world and find great coffee and roast it and, make wonderful gifts for you or someone you love. And I've had the coffee, so I can say it's really <laughs> delicious. Thanks. Yeah. I love what you guys are doing. It's super cool. And I also appreciate the sort of like creative part of the conversation piece. I think in our super divided world, this is a kind of like uh, a service that I think we need. So thanks for doing this. <laughs> it's my pleasure, so man. Tell- yeah, so tell me, like, um, of all the stuff that you're doing right now, like, you're, you're, you're running this company, there's a pandemic happening, there's, like, a bazillion things that are, uh, like, either going right or going wrong, and I'm sure a lot of different types of work that you're doing, whether it's, like, networking, connecting with people, or um, selling a product, or, you know, meeting new, uh, uh, like, farmers, or, like, sources for your product, like, what is some of the favorite parts of the work that you do? I really love um, when I'm just connecting with somebody and they're telling stories. I love stories. I'm addicted to stories, both telling them and, <laughs> and hearing them. And so some of the favorite parts of what I do are like connecting with other people and hearing the story of what drove them to where they are and then kind of how fulfilled they are. And so I get to connect with a lot of cool entrepreneurs, mm. people like yourself, Chris, that have built businesses to, um, to provide a service to the world and are trying to solve this unique problem of creating something that's worth value, yeah, both right. intrinsically and to the market. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's something want to be people want to be a part of. And so that's, 
it's it's very different um, than the sort of corporate ladder I was on before, which is very yeah. clearly marked out what your promotion points are, and you know right, those are right. very measured. There's a lot of different takes on this: how you measure success, what your work life, your home life, a lot of the balance looks like. You obviously have full autonomy as an entrepreneur, but you still need to create value and learn and and yeah. I mean prove to yourself that you are doing something to grow a company. So. All that to say, like when I'm connecting with somebody and we're thinking of ways to like solve problems, that's like my favorite part. And then who doesn't mm-hmm. love to travel to Central American beautiful countries and yeah. hear their stories and meet farmers? We're, I'm not doing that much of that right now. I'm doing some Zoom farm meetings, it's not the same. I can tell you that. Yeah, but, uh, right. So, that, but that's it for sure. It's it's every day having three to five meetings with people, be it friends, family, peers, employees. Um, or prospects and just just getting to know them, learn their stories. I mean, yeah. I, I could do it all day, every day, seven days a week. Yeah, that's cool, man. You so your story actually, I I love because I would love to talk more about that and like how you went from here to there because there's like you said this very kind of like known path in this corporate world and it's all lined out and you can kind of get through it or climb up the ladder, whatever it is. And then there's this sort of like unknown of, well, what would it look like if I created something? And uh, just because I don't see, or maybe it's hard to see the exact value that I'm creating doesn't mean that I shouldn't go ahead and try and start doing something like, like tell me about sort of the path that you were on. And then what are some of the things that happened in there that made you say like, I don't want this anymore. Like maybe I thought I did at one point, but now I need to go do this other thing. Like, let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, let me first preface it with saying that like everybody's path is unique and what's right for me might not be right for you. And so when I share, it's very much, here's what felt right to me. And I think hopefully my story is more about honoring that feeling within self than the specifics of what did work for me but but i'd be happy to share with you what did work for me you know um, dude i love it i love that you made a point to say that because like one of the things i write about a lot is i think advice is like oftentimes like here are the eight numbers i use to win the lottery and like it doesn't you know what i mean it's like so not contextual so like thank you for just making a point to share that yeah t- totally not everybody should quit their job to start a coffee company <laughs> and, right. and, and, I, and, I, and i hope you don't so I, it's not too much competition but in my in my case it was the right move um so when i started going to school i thought i was going to be a music teacher and i actually went to college uh for a year and a half to be a music teacher i was in the music program wow. in northern colorado and um I realized very quickly that my enjoyment of music did not match the full-on passion of my students in my classes that wanted to practice four hours a day, you know, to be great. And I just didn't have that passion. And um, so I got to the point where I was like, I want to make money. I want to find a job that I can make some money. And so I was like, I'm going to get a finance degree and a business right. degree and, and the finance kids in the business school were some of the sharpest kids I had met. So I was like, I just surround myself with them. I'll become smarter. <laughs> and uh, that theme cool. I've learned shows up a lot in my life is like, Oh, I want to do this. So I'll just surround myself with these people and I'll inevitably get better at it. And so that's how it was whenever, you know, I got my finance degree and I was like, well, if I just surround myself with wealthy people, the odds of me getting wealthy are much higher. So I became a junior right. partner. Uh, of a financial advisor firm, you know, after my, uh, after I graduated and I was around a lot of people that had done well for themselves. And then 
I started to meet like these reps, these like company reps, just like you have for beverage industry or for golf right. industry. So the reps in the finance industry sell to the financial advisors. And these guys had custom suits and all wow. black Audis and corporate yeah. credit cards. And I was like, these guys got something figured out of here. I'm going to go see what's going right. So I, um, I took a job, you know, as a phone warrior, um, you know, at, wow. a, at a finance firm and started working my way up. And yeah, you know, yeah. shout outs to all my internal wholesalers out there. I see <laughs> just all my phone warriors out there. I know how hard. What a grind. Are. That's so hard, dude. Hit yeah. the so hard. Yeah. Um, and so after that, I, you know, kept grinding, kept grinding. And after four years in that role, I got the job that I really dreamed of. I was a director uh, at a finance firm. And so I had a territory and the territory was Alaska, Idaho, Montana, North and South Dakota, Wyoming, and uh, parts of Minnesota. So I had all the travel in the world you could want for the heartland states of the USA. And um, it was a really fun job for a while. <laughs> and, uh, it was very adventurous and I had a lot of time to invest. And it was wonderful. I mean, just building client relationships, doing presentations for them and their clients, developing a great relationship with you know, my internal partner. And, um, you know, seeing a lot of some really beautiful country was awesome. And I was able, and I saved ferociously. And after about three nice. and a half years, it just became clear to me that like, I was really struggling for community. Like I was on the road a lot. My Instagram was super cool, but right, the, right. the reality was it was a lot of hotel rooms, man. You yeah. know? So, so it just, it became clear to me that like, you know, this, this just wasn't serving me anymore. And, um, and I, there were some guys at my company that like worked in consulting um, and they were like consultants that had their own businesses, but also were signed by my mm. company at the time. And I was like, this seems really cool. And so I started going to DU in the spring of 2019 for grad school uh, to be an organization development consultant, um, to share a lot of the passions that you have. The Adam Grant book that you recommended just came in the mail. Um, oh yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Big fan of, you know, the consulting world. And after a few you know, semesters in that, I was traveling a good bit because I now had the time to like, do some more, more fun personal travel. And I was telling this guy about how I, how I had this love for coffee. You know, I, when I traveled, I always had a coffee shop in all the cities I went to. And you know, we use coffee you know, in this culture as a way to connect to people or sit down, whether it's personal or business or it's, it's a medium for connecting. And so I was telling a guy, this guy, Jason, it's become a good friend since then, how I have this passion for coffee and I've always dreamed of a coffee shop. And he's like, why don't you roast some coffee, bring it into my office. We'll see what happens. I've got like 50 people right. we'll make it happen. And I was like, sure. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, and uh, sort of opportunity met, you know, sort of curiosity, which I think is a, it's a really powerful thing. If you're going to become an entrepreneur, or really do some mm -hmm. passion work. It's like, when your creativity comes across an opportunity, that's when things get exciting. Mm. So, um, so I bought a little toaster oven looking coffee roaster. It started roasting in my backyard and, uh, <laughs> you know, did a couple events for him and then some other people. And then I got like a 15 pound a week gig or every two weeks. And my little roaster was roasting one pound every hour. So it took me like two days of sitting oh. in my backyard and I was like, is this what my life looks like now? I'm just going to be oh a, my gosh. a backyard coffee roaster. And uh, so 
after that, I, it became clear to me that the supply chain was cool and the orders were much bigger when I was like fulfilling supply orders. And so in the time since then, we've become much more direct to consumer and education based um, because we love to educate the consumer on all things coffee from making cold brew to pour overs to like the coffee belts and just like kind of really leaning into the education side and uh, creating a coffee club, just, just ways to be convenient mm -hmm. as a service. And then we still have some supply business. We still do some educational content, funny enough for financial advisors. Um, and yeah, man, I think, I think now I just have the ability in this role to hold space to still build something and um, to tell great stories of our farms and, hmm. and connect people in the community, which has just such, always been such a dream of mine. So now that's like what I do. I just talk to people. I see if we can be helpful. If not, I try to connect them with other people I think can be helpful for them. And it's, it's been fun. It's, it's going well. I'd say we just had our, our best month back to back the last two months. And uh, we've got a, a pretty good deal going out with a local sports team that, uh, that a lot of people might know. So it's exciting. Dude, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Yeah. How, how long have you been on this, like, track here? From, from let's just say, like, uh, the first, you know, order, right? Where you were just like, oh, uh, yeah, I guess I could uh, roast some coffee and we could test it out to today. <laughs> like, how, what does that timeline look like? Yeah, I think we took our first order, call it would have been like August of 2019. Yeah. Started building a website in September. You know how it is whenever you're a young company, you're always rounding up. You're like, oh, one and a half. Yeah. You're like one year, one month or whatever. But right. Yeah. So, so I usually tell people we're like about a year and a half old. <laughs> you're right. But uh, you can go to the Our Partner site and see there's some relationships on there I'm super proud of. Um, That's really wild, great man. organizations we get to work with. Yeah. Very thankful. So like there's probably a, a point where like you were talking about having like an increased demand and all of a sudden you're like, well, shoot, what am I going to do? Right. There was probably either a moment or like a couple moments where you were like, what should I do? Should I leave this gig? Like, cause it sounds like there were a lot of great things about that gig. Like you were pretty happy doing a lot of that stuff, but then this opportunity came up and you were like, you know, does that, does that curiosity or opportunity feel more interesting than what I'm doing now? Was it like, shoot, you know what, I have to do this. Like, I, I don't, I don't really want to quit my job, but I feel like I need to do this thing. Like, how did, like, what did that feel like that transition for you? Yeah, I wish it was that smooth. <laughs> the, the truth of the matter was, it just became very clear to me that that job was no longer serving me. I mean, I like, I was getting lower back pain because I'd be on planes, uh, lower back yeah. pain that is, I'd be on planes and I was living out of Boise for a lot of that. So I'd fly to Salt Lake and then I'd fly to whatever I had to go to. So it was, I think I did the math and I took like 250 flights over the course of like three, three years, something like that. Those are on small little regional jets. So I, it became clear to me first that that was a role that was no longer serving me. And um, sometimes like any relationship, you know, you, you have to exit it before you can even see what's next for you. And that's, that's mm. hard because you're definitely taking a leap out in terms of security. Yeah. But, you know, again, just like any relationship, when you know it's not serving you, it becomes clear. And sometimes you have to like take a break from that relationship before you can find your next one. And that's kind of where I was. And yeah. it was really the, the choice to choose between Madre and then something else was with grad school. It became clear to mm -hmm. me that 
the time I was dedicating to homework and reading and researching, it's time that I could be doing accounting, understanding mileage, understanding like how to do our taxes, and then understanding like digital design because building our website from scratch and like our MailChimp services. So yeah, man, I think that that, that decision kind of got to the point where I was like, well, I need to make a decision between these two things. And ultimately I feel like, you know, having a small business and being an entrepreneur is an education in itself. I mean, it really is like you are learning very quickly what the consumer demands, yep. what the market is telling you. I mean, we've had to pivot a couple of times due to like COVID and things yeah. opening and shutting down. So right. I think there, there's definitely a lot of education in, um, in building something as well. So I would love to dive into some of that because I, as much as I like hearing about people's like winning and like doing well, I'm really curious about the hard stuff. Like that is the stuff that I'm really interested in. Like what maybe are some roadblocks or like a big roadblock that you faced that at the time you, it was like really hard to see past it. You were like, I have no idea how I'm going to approach this. I don't know how, if I'm going to solve it. Like what were some things that happened along the way that, were really kind of show stopping for you that you had to figure out how to get around. I mean, it's probably happened for a lot of businesses, but when, when COVID hit, like almost all of my suppliers stopped, right? Like all of the offices that we supplied weren't going to the office. The coffee shops that we supplied were no longer, you know, accepting new customers at that point. And I got so small or everything got put on hold so much that I was back mm. on the little tiny roaster. I mean, I, I've since joined a roaster share program where I like lease out equipment and there's like a five kilo machine. And then now I'm on a 15 kilo machine. Right. But at that point I grabbed all the green coffee that I had, the unroasted coffee and just buckled down, man. And um, yeah. really uh, spent some time thinking about like, okay, consumers are not going to their office anymore. They're not going out really. This was like, you know, even when to go order was just picking up. We need to develop a consumer strategy. Like we've got to get more creative and um, kind of made the decision to try and reach the consumer directly. And so that's where we really had to develop, you know, more of an experience, more of an education focus, more storytelling on our website. Like it, those things matter to the consumer mm -hmm. a lot more than they matter to a supplier that's pretty price conscious first. And right. um, price and quality, of course, but the story, you know, I would say like when you give something as a gift, a lot of times you like to tell that story, right? And right. As a restaurant, right. not, you don't always have the time to tell the story of like, oh, these eggs were raised. You know, <laughs> Totally. So yeah, so that's when we really started to develop a coffee club. And that's when we were able to start to engage the consumer and say, hey, the, the, the tagline was, you can't travel the world, but you can travel the world of coffee. So ah, we came up go. with a fun little video. And the idea being like, still taste coffee from all different parts of the world. And we kind of highlighted all the countries and then shared some of the travel footage that we had from, you know, visiting farms and put together a fun little video. It's it's a little dated now. It's just a lot of me like kind of making funny faces and then right. insert travel footage, but right. yeah, you could, it, it's still on all of our um, coffee club uh, pages on our website. And it was fun to make. And that once we launched the consumer strategy that allowed us to return to like normal sales within about two months, which was awesome. Hmm. I mean, you know, replace wow. all that demand that we had lost in the, on the commercial side. And then now it's really, 
the biggest part of our growth are our web orders um are are like just huge and then our gift orders we do a lot of gift orders for like sports organizations or real estate agents or different people like that love to give us as a gift and i think that it fits our business really well that's cool right on man it's it's Um, a weird feeling though being like no one's gonna buy our coffee anymore none of our suppliers are even open yeah i can't even imagine what that feels like to just have to completely change like who you're who you're going for like how did you how did you come up with that as a solution like was that the first idea that was was like proposed like were there other attempts at like well we could like you you know in my in my mind a lot of people are going to sit in in like a brainstorming session right where they're like oh yeah well we're going to have a bunch of post-it notes on a wall and we're going to be like here's what we're going to think about and here's some ideas and like like but how did that actually look to you yeah so we what's interesting is initially we thought the coffee club would be just sort of a one size fits all you'd buy a three month you'd buy a six month you'd buy 12 months and boom, that'd be like good revenue for us. We could count on that right. to be more consistent. And then what we found is like doing that format, people must prefer to buy a coffee club that way if it's a gift. But if they're buying it for themselves, the pay-as-you-go model is much more attractive. Right. So, so we made a change at that point. And we started right. to, we started to do the three, six, 12 months, but you know, that model worked a little bit and I was, I mean, I was promoting it everywhere. I was putting every co-working meeting I went to, every digital networking group I visited. Hey, the coffee club, you can't travel the world, et cetera. Um, from there, we've switched to the pay-as-you-go model just because the consumer likes yeah. that more if they're not buying it for themselves. But um, it's a lot of, uh, starting a business is a lot of hand-to-hand combat on the front end, unless you're right. willing to like really invest in a marketing strategy and trust somebody. but I just feel like sometimes like hiring a marketer can be really expensive, especially if you don't have the time to wait the four to six months to see the results. And so we ultimately held up on that. Yeah. That's big. If you don't have that. And also if you're not familiar with that, right? Like if you can't, if you're hiring for the first time and maybe you don't know what a good marketer looks like or what a good strategy looks like and you can't, you know, tell, or maybe what it looks like for you or another business that, yeah, that can be, there's definitely like risk involved there. So it's mm-hmm. a classic entrepreneur move. So like the first thing is to have an idea and like hire yourself first to like try stuff like totally. Yeah. Um, one of the other thoughts that I had as you're talking, like, you know, is around the skills that you're applying right to what you're doing and some of the skills that you've developed over your education but also the business education right like the actual practical real world education that you got right so there's school education and then there's actual in the world education and some of that seems to have transferred from this career to that career big time in that in that transfer like you know I'm I'm feeling like some of those skills are useful. Some of them probably aren't anymore. Um, there's some skills that you probably had to learn. Um, there's maybe skills that you had to like relearn like a different way. Where do you feel like if someone was kind of following that path or they were transitioning from one thing to another, like where do you feel like people would fail when pursuing a path like yours? Um like the mental fortitude is probably the biggest part because there are days mm-hmm. that even I am like, will I be successful or will I fail? And it is not mm-hmm. something that happens in a day. It builds over time. So mm-hmm. I think that like just having the mental fortitude to be patient and consistent with something 
Um, somebody the other day gave me one of the biggest compliments I had received, which was they said, when you when we go on your website, we feel the culture and all of your coffees and your education. And it just made me think how hard it is to build culture and how much how it takes time, you know, and like for your voice of your company to come through. And so yeah. it just made me super proud because like it's not something that happens overnight. Like, you know, it's something that happens when you decide to take a couple days off and you're in the mountains and you start thinking really creatively about your company yeah. because you're not like in the X's and O's of like your day's work. And so right. in terms of like where people can fail, I think it's, I think it's really important to understand that if you get good enough to make something serviceable, that is an okay level because you're going to have to do that as an entrepreneur in many levels. Like mm-hmm. I look at our business as having sort of five fingers the first is sourcing. So we need to find great coffee. Either we go to farms or we find wholesalers that will sell it to us. And that process takes time to learn. I mean, I'm, I'm not like a sous chef or a, <laughs> but you taste right. enough coffee as you start to get a feel, you surround yourself with people. That right. that. Then there's like roasting, which we had to figure out and started on that little baby home roaster. And then now over time, I've gotten to a point that we're very confident about what we do. But in the beginning, you're trying to just get to serviceable, right? Like, is this, right. okay, this is good. Right. It's going to keep getting better. Marketing, I mean, uh, the marketing part of what we do, like most people, well, I, would, I wouldn't say most, a lot of people enjoy social media. So how do you make things fun and engaging for your company and, and use the we instead of the I? That's the big difference when you shift to company strategy. And I think that uh, kind of trying to think like, what is the voice of your company? What is your messaging? I'm lucky that I have a brother who's incredible with that. And we spent a lot of time working on separating like my own personal social media approach versus like, what is a holistic company? Like what does everyone sits mm-hmm. at the table mean? You know, how does that yeah. affect social justice issues? You know, how do we right. make our voice heard in those things? Right. Um, and then accounting. That's a skill that I was lucky mm. enough to take some classes in business school that have served me well. And I use a free yeah. service called Wave, W-A-V-E, Wave Accounting. And you can do your invoicing there and you can do your accounting there. And it's just a debit and credit system. What did I spend money on? What did I make money yeah. from? And um, sort of understanding how to use that so I can at least have a dashboard and see how my sales are tracking. I think that's right. really big. And then the hardest thing is you really won't understand what deals to say yes and no to um, until it's more time. Like in the beginning, I was so happy to just get sales period that I was super, super lean on our margins. And over time, I've been able to like understand our value proposition and put pricing at a level that supports us and it's still, you know, affordable for the consumer. But just being patient enough to understand that what was a good deal when you started your company might not be a good deal a year later, you know? Right. And um, so in terms of places that you can fail, I think just giving up, <laughs> that's, yeah. it takes, takes resiliency. And, you know, I, I would definitely recommend trying to save up before you make a move like this because mm. your business needs to find its voice and its place in the market. And then you need to get feedback and make adjustments as needed um before you can really start to try and pull it's just like a garden man if you're growing vegetables you need to let the the tree or the plant get to a point that it's big and healthy and it can handle you know bearing multiple fruit versus if you just take every single time there's like a little bud before it's there you're not gonna see you know the plant come to fruition so i love that analogy because it outlines really clearly how you have to reinvest in your company or 
reinvest in the plant system, right? Develop your good root. You have to learn about the nitrogen in the soil. That I just like, it's a great analogy. Um, but can we talk about that? Like that process for you? Like, so I've seen a couple different types of entrepreneurs. Some entrepreneurs take a path of, and this is getting back to like the eight numbers I used to win the lottery, right? Like some entrepreneurs are like, I'm going to save up and then I'm going to quit my job. And then I'm just going to go as hard as I can. And I have this runway until I run out of cash. And now I have to stop what I'm doing. And hopefully I, the plane takes off before I run out of runway. And there's like another approach of like, you know, I'm going to freelance and, and earn income while I also develop this thing, or I'm going to work a job. And like, so there's like different approaches and there's, I don't think there's really a right or wrong. Some of them I think are harder than others, um, mm -hmm. depending on your situation. But like, how did, like, how did you, when you were like, okay, I think I'm going to make this a thing. And maybe it wasn't a really clear decision. Maybe it just like kind of sort of happened gradually. I don't know. I would love to hear more about that. Um, but like, how did you, how did you set yourself up for this approach? Like, how did, how did you mentally say like, okay, here's the situation I'm going to create. Um, I'm going to go for it. And were there any stop gaps? Like if this happens, I'm pulling the plug and I'm going to go get a job. Or like if, if this failure occurs, then like I'm going to stop what I'm doing and try this. Like, I don't know. Like, how did you set that up? If at all? Yeah, I mean, in an absolute sense, if you truly intend to do something, then everything is just an obstacle or a learning experience until you accomplish it. I mean, that is like sort of mm -hmm. the, stoic, the stoicism way in a way. Right. Like, and that's definitely something you have to consider. I think, um, I think for us in sales growth, like if, if our sales aren't growing and it's been six to nine months and things are pretty flat, then either I'm not very good at what I do or our product isn't very sellable in the market. Or like there's some gap in our approach, whether it's like marketing or how much activity. Okay, there's there's definitely a conversation there about stick to Um, But I think, you know, seeing sales growth, there was a point that I was addicted to like the new emails, new order coming in. And if I didn't get yeah. that, then it wasn't like, oh, we're not successful. But we would get orders all kinds of ways. Like, you know, people would text me or hit me up on social media and say, hey, you know, it's funny. There's a question that they would ask. It would be, Hey, I haven't tried any of your coffee. It wasn't even a question, it was a statement. And I initially wanted everyone to put everything in through the um, through the website. I'm like, we have a website, it's e-commerce, just go there, put the order in, it'd be great. But the sale starts in different places for different people. That's mm. what I had to learn in that scenario. And so when someone says to me, hey, Chris, I haven't tried your coffee yet, exclamation mark, they want me to take that and take yeah. them now through the process, right? Like that's something I had to learn for sure is like, Okay, well, here's our website. Go check it out. It'd be great. It's right. okay, great. Do you like light, medium, or dark roast coffee? Oh, okay, mm -hmm. great. Have you tried Central American or South American coffees? No. Like these questions that create a customized experience make somebody feel better about a purchase that they're inevitably going to make, right? Like, or not inevitably, that hopefully they will make a yeah, right. <laughs> Um, And so, like, that is like part of the sales routine that I have to learn. Like, if you're going to start a business in a highly competitive field where you know there's a lot of competition you have to absolutely understand like how to guide people through an experience and sort of what the consumer is looking for and a lot of times they want you to give them that experience through direct messages on social media so yeah. i think there's like definitely some learning on that and i and so once i started to understand that my sales growth and that's where having an accounting software was really helpful i could see that yes my online orders might not be there 
but my orders through social media and email and text, as long as I tracked everything and made sure I charged tax and sent receipts and made it official, that's still a medium of business for people. You know what I mean? Um, You still be a legit business that way, as long as you're willing to record your income, pay your taxes and like put that effort into it. So I still think there are days that I'm like, gosh, what am I doing? Should I just go take a job? But I can tell you that chasing a dream you see it in other people's eyes when you talk to them. They're like, oh, yeah. what are you up to? You're like, yo, I started a company, a coffee company. And they're like, what? How do you do that? And I'm just like, you just got to start, you got to get a roaster. And then you start finding coffee. And then you start <laughs> developing marketing. And then you develop an e-commerce site. And then you start going to meetings. And it's funny because there is, there's a phrase called the golden handcuffs, which I think a lot of people who've ever been in a corporate job can identify with, which is the idea that, I, my needs are met and I am on this path and I have consistent income, but I'm kind of tied to doing something not incredibly fulfilling. And it's not true for everybody. Some people really thrive in different environments, but I see it on people's faces sometimes when I tell them that I'm like chasing this dream and trying to build this company that honors my family's heritage and honors farmers and gives color to a good that you can just get on Amazon and not think twice about, like provide story and meaning to it. And so so when I tell that and when I communicate that about our value proposition, people want to get behind it. And that is what mm. they're buying just as much as they're buying delicious coffee. They're buying small business, you know, these stories, these, this experience, this education, like all of these things are what create value for us as a company. It's, it's gotta be more than just like coffee in a pot. Here's your drink and have a nice day. Right. That's so cool, dude. I think I think a lot of people can resonate with that, right? Um, the, I love the golden handcuffs thing. I'm super glad you just mentioned it because I think that's an that it's not the first time I've heard it, but I bet it will resonate with a lot of people for the first time to hear, to think of it that way, like to have all my basic needs met, and now all of a sudden I'm in like safety zone, right? I mean, it's like total comfort, safety, like everything that could go wrong is totally manageable, covered. I have cash, whatever it is resources to manage it, but I don't feel like there's this one thing that I wish I could do, which is do what I want to do. <laughs> and like, and it's this one thing, and, but it's such a small thing, but it's such a big thing. And I don't know how, it's like, but I don't know how to do it. So I'm, I'm okay staying here, but should I try to do it? But then I stay here because it's too far and I don't really understand. And like, there's this fight, there's this battle. So I think the, the imagery of like handcuffs is really perfect. Um, you know, when you like, when you transition to this, do you feel like you had a safety net? Did you feel like it was like a huge leap? Did you feel like there was a risk involved? Like you had to chop off these handcuffs? Like how did that, how did that go for you? Yeah, I definitely had a safety net of savings, right? I had saved my money and, and put myself in a position where I could take some time. And, you know, there's a lot of things I could have done at that time. I could have just traveled the world and done some backpacking and kind of had that experience. I could right, have, right kind of went to school and I think education is never a bad investment. You know, I think that's a wonderful choice. Should you choose to make that? Um, I just had sort of an opportunity that started to grow very organically. Demand curiosity started to spark within myself and then my network. And that's what led us to, uh, to where we are now. And so, yeah, definitely having that savings was super helpful so that I could continue to reinvest in the company, reinvest. What does good spending look like? Somebody told me the other day that you can have a, um, 
sort of a, a conservative mentality or a frugal mentality, scarcity mentality is the word that he used. Yeah. When it comes to your personal spending, like that, that's great. But when it comes to your business, like you cannot have a scarcity mentality. You have to spend money, you have to spend it wisely. And so knowing what feels good, you know, whenever we got our bag design and like we had gold in it and it just pops, like that's good spending, but we had to buy 500 at a time, you know, that's a check. Mm. And then when we start going from, buying you know 10 pounds of green coffee to 50 pounds to 150 pounds like yeah those are big expenses or like whenever we moved up to the roaster went from our little one to the medium one and we're paying hourly this rate and then it's over triple for the next size roaster i mean there's there are decisions that look easy on paper when it comes to like spending and economics and we all understand that paying less for something at a bigger quantity is ultimately a good choice but when you're writing those checks and when you're spending that money and you're still building a business like again it comes back to that like stick-to-itiveness that like this can be done other people have built coffee companies like uh, i that means i can do it you know what i mean right if other people have done it then i probably can do it like right and uh yeah there's a lot of ways you could take that next step but i'll pause (laughs) it that's cool man i love it tell me like what's a like a tool or a resource or a thought or a mindset or like something that you wish you had earlier on in your career that you had to develop or that you found out or it, somehow it's in your hands now, but you're just like, Oh my gosh, I could have avoided all this pain if I had just had this thing. Hmm. Um, truthfully, it's like meditation. Like even wow. as simple as five minutes, like you can go on Spotify and search five minute meditation and you'll find them. Yeah. But like the idea of, just pausing for a second and like connecting with breath i call it connecting with my blessing um like Mm. what are the things that i have in my house or in my day i think success for a lot of people is this perhaps it's financial security and it's this number but once you hit that number then what what are you supposed to just like hang it up and roll credits like that's not how the world goes yeah right yeah so it's like i think that act of like connecting with your blessing it it allows you to maybe put success in a little bit more bite-sized elements and hopefully you can take a bite of it like on a daily because success isn't something that we get one day and we go through a finish line it's it's the quality of a life lived a day at a time and so so sometimes like if i have some anxiety or did i do enough today or man i should have worked harder i got distracted by this and i fell in this hole and now i'm like what do i do do i need to like work out or whatever it's like usually a nice workout to like ride my bike move some weight around go for a run followed by like five minutes of just meditating and just breathing and getting back to who i am and kind of my place in this world and kind of just making things much bigger i think helps me really put into perspective the goals that i have are long-term goals they're very possible mm. and they can be done it's a day at a time and like the positive that i put into this world and that i you know, invest in the people around me will absolutely come back to me in forms of connections and forms of, you know, new business and forms of just relationships that nourish me. And I have to do the work as well to like connect people and meet them and put myself out there. But there is no doubt that those things will bloom if I nurture them. And so, mm. so that's where I truly try to come back to when I think about this daunting task of building an enterprise. Mm. It's like, well, we can't, do more than we can in a day so let's let's have good days you know? mm. do you have a vision of like what 
um, the peak of the mountain looks like? Is there a summit? Like, does it, or are you just like focused day to day? Like, where's your, like when you meditate and you zoom out, like how, how does that um, influence you? Is it something like where you can see a long-term vision and it motivates you? Is it like, I don't have a long-term vision. I just know that grinding day to day will get me somewhere that I'm happy with. Like, what is that? Cause now that there's a right or wrong, I'm just kind of curious kind of how that looks for you. Yeah, I've met professionals, especially in finance, that are like, whoever works the hardest and works the most hours is going to win. And that's how you win. And right. I think that that can create like unhealthy habits sometimes if you're not yeah. careful, if that's what your models are, are putting on the pedestal. So you just have to work day and night and weekends and that's how you'll get ahead. Well, that's, that's one way to do it. You can also just be incredibly thoughtful about what you do and take mm -hmm. time to make sure that you're operating a place where you feel creative and and doing what it takes to get into that space, which is, mm -hmm. is my approach, absolutely. You know, whenever I'm in those meditations, I think that first and foremost, I come to a place of like, I am, my needs are met. I got food, yeah. I got a place to stay. Like, all right. well, that I need my needs are met. What do I like to do? Well, I like to talk to people. I like to connect them. I like to tell them great stories and inspire them. Okay, great, why don't I, you know, now I get to go and do this. I get to tell these stories of our farmers. I get to educate people on coffee. I get to have conversations with them. And this is the medium. I mean, there are, there are some cultures around the world that rather than living to work, they work so they can live. It's a right. part of right. their balanced approach. And I, that's just always connected me. It's like, don't live to work. And some people love yeah. their work and they, they create a lot of joy from the work. And that's great for their passion. I just think for me, it's a part of what I do. And if I feel like if I'm doing it correctly, then there is benefits to me telling this story, you know, on a weekend, on a Friday mm -hmm. night at a dinner party when, when those existed um, versus right, right. Monday morning at 9am, right? Like right, this right, passion right. that comes through me and this, this mission that I have to connect people using coffee as my medium is the same way as it is on Friday as it is on Monday. And so yeah that doesn't preclude me from working hard and making sure that I still feel value at the end of the day that I, you know, created activity that leads to yeah. good results. Um, right. But it does take the pressure off of me and maybe the fear or anxiety that come with trying to do something big, you know? That's cool, man. One of, so you said a couple of things that I'm resonating with one, which is like, seeing some possibility for uh, like a larger impact in some way and like what the possibility of something could be, but then also the balanced approach of like managing your energy. This is coming up like a couple times in some of these conversations that I've had where like you're paying attention to the things that fuel you and that you care about. And you're not as much worried about the mechanics of like, turning the gears faster in a gearbox, right? Like just like how many hours can you pump out in a day? You're more like considering the conversation and was that a good conversation or, or qual, I don't want to say good, but like quality conversation. Um, you know, did we add value to this customer or whatever? Like those sorts of questions as opposed to like, did I clock the hours, right? Which is like a hugely different approach. And um, I love that that, I love that you're saying that because I think that's a transition that I'm making in my own life that has taken me a long time to learn because I think there's this like this belief, especially in, I'm going to say American culture, because I don't know if it's Western 
anywhere. Like, I don't know what else would be categorized as Western. But like, I think it's <laughs> at least an American culture um, of this like belief that if you work hard, you will you will succeed. And if you want to succeed, you the only way is like complete sacrificial like effort that must go into this thing because we i don't know what it is but there's just uh, this romantic idea about you know the the guy who works really really hard and we all want to see him win and makes it because good for him the willpower and we just admire that so much but i think it leaves out all these other things that you're talking about like all these other wins along the way all these other problems that have to be solved along the way that are small but when you take them day to day to day to day and you add them up over the last year and a half for you, all of a sudden you're in this new position that you might not have been in if you had just started it. Like, well, the first step that I need to do if I want to start a coffee company is rent a giant roaster and order 5 billion bags of coffee. And like, like you could never have started it if you jumped to that stone, if you hadn't, you know, taken these other, other steps. Um, so like, I'm just like resonating, but I also wanted to take a second to recap and like highlight some of those important things that you just mm -hmm. said. Cause I didn't want anybody to miss, I don't want anybody to miss that little, little, those little <laughs> nuggets. Um, I do have like mm -hmm. another question that's like sort of related, but slightly different. What do you feel like young people right now are doing better than past generations? So it could be in any category. I don't want to frame it too much. Yeah, I like this question a lot. Um, I think that young people now are much more connected to mission and the idea of impact, I think, than previously. I think different generations have had different problems to solve. You know, World War II generation needed to produce, period. They needed to grow. They needed to, like, create efficiency. And that's when you see this, this boom of, of having children and working. And then you know, different generations have had different problems to solve, but I, I see young people now using their platform to really speak out about what they care about from an issue standpoint, from a meaning standpoint, you know, being the biggest and the most profitable isn't always in alignment with making the biggest difference. And, and I, see, I see young people really using their platforms and, and making that an incredible part of their voice. And I, I'm very proud of young people for that. That's awesome, man. I, I couldn't agree more. I think people are, are stepping up um, and the the technology that people have to do it is is better. And I, I just think like it's amplifying those voices. It's creating creating more more volume, which I think is pretty neat. What do you feel like young people should watch out for? I think that uh sort of the romantic the romanticization of you know, going to college, getting a degree, getting your master's, getting your master's master's, as you know, the yeah, old Kanye yeah. album says, you know, doesn't prepare you for the fact that once you get all that done and you go to a company, you are the first guy on the front line, a guy or girl, of course. And I've seen some of my friends be the top college student in their class. They crush it. They work for this big company and they have a big old piece of humble pie about starting yeah. at the beginning of an organization. And, and I think that that's something that a lot of young people aren't prepared for when they're mm. like, but I was top of my class and I right. have two, I have a bachelor's and a master's. And what do you mean I'm going to step in as a frontline employee? And it's like that, that, that door can kind of hit you a little bit. And so 
you know, for the people so that are listening that are busting their tails to get through college and get great degrees, I think that's incredible. That teaches you wonderful work ethic and how to learn. I just think be prepared that, you know, if you do choose, no matter what you choose to do, it's a lifelong of work ahead of you, hopefully work that you're passionate about. And um, it takes, it takes time to understand how your competitive universe operates and what your advantage is. And it's not something you'll solve. I mean, if you're lucky, maybe you will solve that. And then you know right away and you just go out and crush it and go to see if you can. But for many people, it's a process and um, to be patient with it, you know. Definitely for me, for sure. You know, I like I definitely came out of school, like out of the gate, like super hard. And to not be running everything was like, what, like what? Like, what do you mean? And like, like I will never forget the first you know, meeting, I was with a bunch of academics, I was running a, a neuroscience lab at Penn State. And I jumped into this meeting and I was like in this director position where I was like running a lot of the operations for the lab. And I sit down with all these people and I'm like the only one without a PhD. I'm like the only one who doesn't, who's never done this before. Like I was just like real quick, I was like, oh shoot. Like I did not know how much I did, like how low down I was. And it kind of, in academia, it's like that all the way up to emeritus right it's like it's you're old you're never top dog until you're top dog and you're old and that's when you get there um that's just like another kind of like industry like academia and i think the, the military is kind of similar in some ways and like they you know you could go to like rotc and then like graduate and then start as an officer and there's like i don't know there's like different ways that you merge lanes you know what i mean like you're on this highway and then you merge into this other lane and you're like oh, wow, this is a totally different road. And, you know, I'm going at a totally different speed than these other cars. Like, it, there's a couple different ways that different industries do that. I'm really glad that you just brought that up. It, it is definitely a wake-up call. And if you're, if you're not um, sort of prepared for the, the speed of that on-ramp, like, you, yeah, you could hit the, hit the pedal to the metal pretty hard. It's humbling. It's humbling for a lot of people. You know, you get into a big organization and then, yeah, you got to sort of build that respect from your team and, you know, garner it over time. But, you know, to stay to stay curious and um, stay relatable and, you know, your energy at the end of the day, people are going to be drawn to you if, you, if you're consistent yeah. and they can depend on you to be a person right. on the team that brings that upbeat energy and is curious and, and continues to, to bring their best self. And so much of that is like, you know, your mental health. And yeah, we were joking about this, I think, a little bit. People travel and they're like, oh, the Germans this, but the Brits are really great. And it's like, well, what was yeah. your base state whenever you went to these? Right. How was your mood when you went to this company? And so I just think yeah. what you bring into that door, that curiosity, as well as like, you know, the energy and the work ethic that you have when you come out of college, you know that like that is just as important as the school you went to. If not more in some cases, not all cases. Yeah. That's cool, man. Thanks for sharing that. Um, well, if you, if you want, if you don't mind, we only have a couple more minutes. Um, I wanted to like rip through a speed round of questions. This is I'll just like it. a bunch of, yeah, there's a bunch of questions I had queued up. You don't have I to think it. too hard about them. Just go rapid fire from the hip, like whatever's coming to mind. And yeah, you ready? Yeah. Let's do it. All right, cool. Speed round. Speed round. What skill would you matrix download instantly? Like, you know, if they plug the thing into the back of your head, you could download anything from the server. What is like the first? you would download being a master chef <laughs> i love that that's good uh if you were abducted by aliens and taken away to another galaxy 
and they asked you about the human race and you only could tell them one sentence, what would you tell them about the human race? Passionate. Hmm. That's, that's true <laughs> in lots of ways. <laughs> um, okay. What is the best, worst, or funniest job you've ever had? Uh, my very first job, I was a server at a 40s diner, and I used to wear a bow tie and a little tiny white little boat-looking hat, and I was just the greenest, happiest 15-year-old. Hi, folks. I'll be taking care of you today. And it's called Ruby's Diner in um, Colorado Springs, Colorado. It was, I learned a lot. I was very innocent going in, and then, you know, restaurants have their own waves, man. <laughs> that's true, dude. I've been to a Ruby's. That's so funny. I love oh, it. really? I hope, yeah, I hope that there are photos somewhere of this. Oh, man. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got another one. What is a unique or weird quirk that you have? Uh, I stretch a lot. And sometimes I'm just, like, talking to somebody, and I just start stretching, and I always feel like it's weird, but... <laughs> Got to stay limber, man. It's life, you know. Feeling your own body. So I'm just like, sorry, I like to stretch. Sometimes. I love it. Okay, next one. Ninety days from now, scientists discover the cure for aging. It turns out to be this really simple solution that anybody can make at home in like 24 hours. What do you do? Ask a lot of questions. <laughs> um, is everybody else living longer? Is it just me? Are we going to look the same? I, I need a lot more information. <laughs> That's good. That's a good response. Um, okay, last one. If you could send a push notification like to anybody's phone in the whole world, all at once, whole world gets this push notification, what would you send them? Uh, the Dr. Seuss quote, uh, today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive that is youer than you. Yeah, I love Dr. Sue. Right on, man. All right, that's the speed round, dude. Speed round. Thank you for playing. Um, what, like, do we, was there, like, I have those last couple questions. Um, is there stuff that you wish I had, had asked during our conversation? Is there, like, um, something else that you wanted to share or that you wish we we talked about? I just wanted to make a second of space for that. I think, I think this interview and your interview was complete in its own right. And I'll just share some of the things that like one of my favorite questions in general is uh, the old Tim Ferriss questions. Um, the first one is what's your favorite failure? I just think you get so yeah. much color about a person when you ask them what their favorite failure is. And then, uh, you know, if you had a billboard anywhere in the world, where'd you put it and what would it say? Which I think is kind of your push oh, notification good. question in a way, which yeah, I like. it kind of is, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's uh, like just the message you want to tell people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, but this is great, cool, man. Dude. You're a Thanks curious guy. That's why I always love rapping with you. That's fun, man. Yeah. I love doing this. And I, I, at some point we'll be able to hang out more in person, you know, but uh, for now, this is how we'll jam. How do people, find you how do they find you on the interwebs like where do they go to learn about madre coffee and like buy your delicious beans like how, how, do, they, how do they do that yeah our instagram and uh, facebook is madre coffee collective you can google madre coffee you'll find us there and our website is madrecollective.com sweet man cool that's all i got i'll dap you up right here for in person right. you know <laughs> <laughs>
That's it. Thanks for listening, people. If you know somebody else in your life who needs to hear this, please share this episode with them. If you want more content like this, just head over to chrisdanilo.com and you'll know what to do. See you next time.